celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And here is the toll-free number, 1-866-405-8405, to reach out to Dr. Debbie or to Joey Villani. Uh, of course, you can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. Uh, today, we're going to have the higher authority, the monks of New Skeet, Woo! will be joining us. Yeah, uh, Brother Christopher, they have a brand new book out. Mm-hmm. And these guys, let me tell you something. They uh, they actually make their money. They make a living off of training dogs and the books. Yeah, they're they're awesome. I have. I got to admit, I've read each of their books so far, and I bought them specifically before I got my large uh, herding breed dog because I I really needed to make sure I could manage her. I have some serious questions for them. Christmas time when we put the Christmas packages around the Christmas tree, sometimes Ladybug mm-hmm. lifts her leg. <laughs> <gasps> Ooh, yeah. she's marking it for herself. Marking her just like the kids that go unwrap their Christmas presents <laughs> and then wrap them back together before Take, try Christmas. Try to tape it up. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully, Brother Christopher will have answers for us. Also on today's show, Dr. Debbie has brought it to our attention that we need to learn baby talk. Apparently, we don't talk to our animals in that baby talk voice as much as as we should. And she uses this at her practice all the time. She uh, breaks that barrier with the animals by having a, a little baby talk conversation. Do they talk? It's very powerful. Do they talk back to you? <gasps> sometimes, but sometimes it's just a wag of a tail or a lick, or you can just see it in their body language that they're at ease. So, yeah. Well, if you were listening last week, you uh, know that I'm horrible at baby talk so i'm gonna <laughs> so bad so bad i am pretty bad and Lori's pretty bad too so i am too yeah. Lori and myself we're gonna learn a lot today and we're gonna teach you or dr Davey's gonna teach you how to baby talk and you can use this on your husband too it works very effectively on your husband <laughs> you know i'm not a baby person so ba- i always say babies don't like me so maybe i just don't have that baby thing about me <laughs> This is true. Anytime a baby gets around Lori, they start screaming. Lori, I got to say, I bet if I put a baby bulldog in front of you, you soften in ways that you don't even know you do, and you change the tone of your voice. So I just put a little picture of a baby bulldog right in front of you, and who can't just go? Any puppy is fine. I'm a sucker for puppy breath. (laughs) And you're a single woman, too, huh? I know. Imagine that. Yeah. So what are you working on over there in the newsroom, Miss Brooks? Well, I'm doing some investigating. Hemp is a really popular uh, product now in for all kinds of things, but and it's also going into to pet products. Um, frankly, I still get confused on hemp, cannabis, and all that stuff. I think one is an ingredient in another or something. But hemp products, if you like them because they are big sellers, a lot of states are cracking down on it because it's an unapproved ingredient not approved for animal feed, according to the government. So we'll tell you the latest in some of the states that are affected. Mm, I know Planet Dog makes those hemp collars. Yeah, but you don't eat a collar. You're not supposed to. Uh, You haven't seen my dog. (laughs) (laughs) Joey, what are you working on for the show today? Well, you know, we talk about hygiene and we, we talk about haircuts and all. But one thing I want to discuss, I want to talk about a little bit about oral hygiene because I think a lot of people have misconceptions of what they can use, how they use it, and how frequently. So we're going to talk about that. That's on the way. Uh, let's go to the phones. Which one, Judy, are we going to? We're going to go to line one. Okay. Let's go to George. Hey, George, how are you? I have a da- uh, question for Dr. Gary. I have um, three uh, children in the house, so to speak. They're adopted children, two cats and a dog. 
Okay. And, uh, all of them were adopted, Thank goodness so, you said uh, they're not human children because I don't deal no. with human children. So anyway, my problem is, or my situation is, that with the, the black British cat, he's never been a problem at all. In fact, he likes the inside as much as he does the outside of the house. But in the last three weeks, uh, I've noticed that uh, he picks a couple spots out in the, in the one room, and they're probably about eight inches in diameter. And what he does is he pulls the nap off the carpet, uh, and it's kind of impressive if I wouldn't be so upset about it. But, uh, it, it, I mean, it's right down to the, um, the back of the carpet. Uh, mm-hmm. He pulls it out, and he puts it all in a little pile, maybe about 10 to 12 inches away from the hole, from the, the area that he just made. And... Mm-hmm. Um, the, um, so I, I don't know what's going on, I, I, but I do know that I repaired about five holes in the last two weeks uh, with extra carpet that I kept up in the... In the uh, I just want to make sure that I'm hearing you correctly because I'm having a little trouble hearing you today. Uh, okay. The dog is tearing up pieces. Oh, it's a cat. A cat is tearing up pieces of the carpet and putting it in a pile. Is that what yeah. you're saying? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yep. Exactly and is he doing anything with the area? Does he eliminate in the area that he's scratched up? No, he's not. Um, mm-hmm. and it's kind of impressive. It's just a, a nice little leap pile, yeah. but unfortunately <laughs> it's, it's not working for me. Yeah, no, I get it too, man. I, <laughs> it's yeah. very thoughtful that he puts it all in a pile for you so it's an easy cleanup, but yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's almost like he's proud of it that he wants me to see it. Yeah. Well, okay, so we have to look at what is the motivation for cats when they scratch carpeting or furniture and really examine that. And, you know, I think the piling up of the the carpet waste is, is maybe a side issue, <laughs> but the really the motivation of why he's doing that. For cats, there's a lot of reasons, um, but one of the most common reasons that they might scratch the carpet or furniture is to mark their territory. And that's a combination of different things. So they've got a little scent pads or the scent glands on their foot pads. So when they're actually scratching, they're actually dragging their scent over the area. And then, you know, there's also kind of that visual thing. So, you know, scratching up either, um, you know, lines along the, the back of your furniture or, you know, in this situation, kind of grooming your carpet so that these pieces are coming out of it. Um yeah. That's definitely both those possibilities um, could be playing a role with um, marking his um, territory, if you will. There are also cats that will do destructive behaviors with scratching that are driven more by anxiety. And sometimes we can run into this if we have multi-cat homes or if we have a cat that's a little bit stressed about, you know, being inside and having other cats outside that they can't access at a particular time. Um, it kind of makes me wonder if this guy does go in and outside, you know, that he may very well just kind of be marking his, uh, his, uh, pad, if you will. And, uh, so I would say my best recommendation, if he's going to remain to be an indoor outdoor cat, and that's a lifestyle that you're going to continue that I think we really need to work on a couple things with the carpeted areas. Now you can certainly replace all your carpet, but that's just giving him a brand new palette to work with. Really. Mm-hmm. So I would certainly work on just some of those kind of humane um, aversions for the scratching behavior in these particular areas. And they may be something, um, I have some good luck with things like double-sided sticky tape. 
um, those plastic carpet runners that you run down the hallway so you preserve the, the, the tread on your carpet. If you flip those upside down and kind of put pieces of that in the particular areas, that can be just a kind aversion. So they step on it. They don't really like the feel of that. Um, so it helps to keep them away from that. But the most important thing of, that you have to do... Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say there'd be a lot of taping to do because the, the room itself is probably about 14 by 15. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Right. So these are more the particular areas where he's currently demonstrating this behavior. So, you know, you can tr- certainly do your whole house like that, but you, for these particular areas, because there's going to be a repetition that he's going to go back to that because he's already had that pattern of behavior. But the most important thing you have to do is in those areas, you have to give him an outlet. You have to give him an appropriate site that he can do these scratching behaviors because you won't stop them. Um, so that would be scratching like posts for some cats. Yes. Other cats I have that they don't really dig scratching posts. They would rather have something like the corrugated cardboard um, toys, you know, where they have different uh, platform toys where there's the cardboard in it. So but you, you definitely need to find something. And, and sometimes then we'll add things like a catnip to the area to help entice them to use that and really reward him when you catch him using that and uh, you know talk to him sweetly and uh, give him treats all that kind of stuff but you, you have to give him nearby where he's doing this behavior give him some of those scratching outlets uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the environment outside has altered over here in the northeastern United States significantly in the last two weeks with the snowstorm yeah. so he, wasn't, yeah. he didn't have access to outside as much as he usually does uh-huh. Um, and, and plus, it, it, some days we've had some bitter colds, and I, I just don't want him hanging out there that, that long. Yeah, uh, yeah, know, no. So, so I could try that, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I, I think you, you've got some things you can try there. And um, the, the big thing is that we have to, you know, stop the pattern of this behavior because the more he does it, it's going to be harder to stop it. So, um, you know, your house may be a little bit in a raise <laughs> while you've got yeah. all these deterrents in certain areas. And, uh, you know, certainly supervise them. And, and I'm a fan of giving cats a lot of things to do. So if it means giving them perches, um, places they can look outside, um, you can do cat tunnels through your, your house, um, give them, you know, fun things to do where you hide food in uh, boxes with little cutouts. Um, mentally and physically stimulated cats are less apt to be um, kind of bored and troublesome, especially if he's cooped up with the, the snow right now. <laughs> that would give him something to do. Yeah. It sounds like, uh, it sounds like something that would be worth a try because he's a good cat. You know, if he was only an indoor cat, then, you know, the other thing I would do is um, they have those little soft paws, which are the little nail caps that you can glue on, and that can help prevent some destruction. Hal's laughing because I I only, I I find it hard to do my own nails, you know, let alone my cat's nails (laughs) glue on. But for some folks, you know, that is a great tool to help decrease the destruction part of things. Thanks for your call, George. We appreciate it. Listening in Reading, Pennsylvania today on WEEU. Well, this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Kensington Books. Inspired by true stories of klepto, kitties caught stealing from humans. Mac, the mischievous tabby, is back in Mac on a hot tin roof. But this time, there's little time for his usual shenanigans when Mac becomes the foster parent to an orphaned litter of adorable kittens. Filled with lots of catitude and love, Mac on a Hot Tin Roof by Melinda Metz is available everywhere books are sold. Visit kensingtonbooks.com for more information. And thanks, Kensington, for underwriting Animal Radio. Check out Animal Radio highlights. All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Browse on over to animalradio.pet. 
Hi, I'm Dan Aykroyd. Have the happiest of holidays. This is Heather Locklear wishing you all the merriest Christmas. Hey, this is Sean Hayes on Animal Radio. Remember to spay and neuter your pets. Everyone's favorite matchmaking klepto kitty, MacGyver, is back in Mac on a Hot Tin Roof. And this time, he's thieving his way through the greatest adventure of all, parenting. When Mac finds a litter of orphan kittens, the mischievous tabby has no choice but to put his life of crime on pause. Because the tables have turned, and now Mac is the one to have something stolen. His heart. Mac on a Hot Tin Roof by Melinda Metz is available everywhere books are sold. For more info, visit kensingtonbooks.com. It's Animal Radio. Coming up next hour, the monks of New Skeet, or as Judy so affectionately refer, refers to them to as the Skeets. Skeets. The Skeets. And of course, these guys, these monks, I should say, they are the epitome of trainers. They know how to train your dog, and they know how to, if they have some kind of bad behavior, they can quash that bad behavior immediately. In one of their books, brand new books, Let Dogs Be Dogs. By the Skeets. The We're calling them the skeets yeah, we're just calling now. Them the skeets. Okay, <laughs> the skeets. I borrowed those books out to my sister when she got her dog. She didn't listen to a damn thing in them, and I said, "I want the books back." Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to keep them. They're going to be joining us next hour right here on Animal Radio. If you happen to travel with your pet a lot, especially if you're going from state to state or country to country, we're going to have a, a doctor, a veterinarian from the USDA. And I understand that, Dr. Debbie, you have a, some kind of accreditation so that you can give USDA certificates for animals to travel abroad. Yeah, so um, veterinarians have to have an accreditation for the USDA to write um, certificates for, for pets for this kind of travel. But you know, there's a lot of things that go into traveling to foreign countries, um, and you really need to be prepared. And uh, so I'm looking forward to the segment because you know, that's the big thing: is knowing what, where you got to go, what diseases you got to be protected for for your pets, and uh, how much time you need. Yeah, some of these countries have quarantines. Yeah, they have a quarantine, or they have a rabies titer and a waiting period that you have to uh, follow. So. So that's a matter of like, it's very complicated on how many shops, rabies vaccinations your pet has had, um, their age, how long travel will be out down the road. Um, so, and then the testing and all that is very detailed. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll find out all the details in just a couple of minutes right here on Animal Radio. But first, your calls. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405. Hi, Michelle. Hi there. How are you today? Very good. Where are you? I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. Beautiful Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, 60-something degrees right now. Always humid there. How are your pets today? I got Dr. Debbie right here. Yeah, the the issue I'm having, we have a lot of them. We have six dogs. We foster a lot. And our latest foster that has come in, she eats everything, not everything, but like she's devoured a half of a rug and swallows it. She doesn't just chew it and throw it out. And one night... She regurgitated a huge piece of foam rubber, and it was not even, you know, it was like she ripped and swallowed. It was in whole pieces. Okay, wow. Any hard rubber toy, she'll eat it and swallow it. So the only thing I'm allowing her to have right now are mylar bones. Okay, and what does she do with those? Oh, she just chews on like the other dogs. Okay, so she doesn't actually ingest pieces of that then. Well, you know, I'm sure she does, but it takes a long time to get a little piece off of it. So, so it holds up pretty good. Her, yeah, yeah, it holds up very well. Yeah, she doesn't get big chunks. I'm afraid she's going to have an obstruction or something one day. What kind of dog she's is also she? A, 
Uh, she's part husky, and she also has. The, she also is obsessive with licking. Licking uh, herself, or licking other things, uh, in her uh, environment. Uh, me, me, my husband, just <laughs> the hands, the legs, the clothes, everything. Lick, lick. Oh, yes. So this gal, she's got a high oral fixation. And huskies have a lot of energy. So we have a couple things that I would really direct you worth working on her. One is that um, getting her as tired as possible. Uh, An exhausted, physically exerted dog is less apt to look to um, behavior issues. Um, They're not as bored. Um, So I really try to get dogs that do this into some very strenuous physical activity um, playing ball. Um, you know, some dogs do wonderful going to doggy daycare where they interact and run with the dogs all day. Frisbee, something where we actually get her and try to just exhaust her. Um, because then you may not have that same desire to go looking around the environment and picking up and chewing on things. Mm-hmm. Did you ever catch her actually in the act of yes. chewing on things? Yes, yes. And if we catch her, because we heard that we hear the slurping and I'll get up and run in there, oh, and she's in the middle of doing and there are no remnants anywhere. So there's about a third of it's gone, yeah, and it's just that one rug. It's not okay. every rug in the house, you know. Well, fortunately, because that would cost a, a mint in uh, carpeting there. Well, I think one big thing then, and it's probably very apparent, is that um, to keep her physically um, blocked off from that area. Because um, the more that she has that access and chews on that thing, that creates a sense of a positive reinforcement. She's finding some pleasure in that, uh, whether it's the pleasure of tearing and feeling that on her teeth or if it's just the sense of you catching her and then you yell at her and then she gets some attention in that way. So um, we need to make sure that we don't give her that access and that we don't inadvertently, by yelling at her, make this a a greater problem and compound that further. Um, And then you have the right idea with the bones, with the mylar bones. Um, And I would definitely look at, you know, some of the other types of... uh, I'm a fan of uh, the compressed rawhides. Um, They're not... You know, they'll, they'll eat them, but uh, they do last a long time. And especially a dog that has got a, a huge desire to chew gives them an outlet. Um, I always do that supervised, uh, you know, where your, your eye can kind of watch and make sure when it gets down to smaller pieces that you can take that away from them. Those are going to be the strategies that I'd really look at is keeping the access down, getting her physically tired and exhausted, and then giving her that positive uh, direction of what she can chew on. And then hopefully with a little bit of time and acclimating into the home, she'll follow suit with the other um, pets and, uh, you know, find a nice routine. Um, but you definitely need to nip this in the bud now. Good luck with things. I hope things turn around. And uh, if you have a question, give us a call here at Animal Radio, one 405 Hey, don't forget, you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Pets. Taking the pet out of petrified. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. Need a fix of the good stuff? Get more Animal Radio with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, Joanne Worley on Animal Radio. Hello! And please spay and neuter your pets. As a matter of fact, spay and neuter your friend's pets also. Give it to them as a present. Yeah, puppy pads are convenient, but sometimes they're really gross. That's why the Animal Radio Studio stunt dog, Ladybug, uses the brilliant pad self-cleaning puppy pad. We love how it handles number one and number two. 
It seals away the waste and replaces dirty pads for us. Brilliant Pad keeps our home clean and smelling fresh. All we do is replace the roll once every few weeks. And the process is fast and clean. In fact, Ladybug gives it five paws up. Learn more about it at BrilliantPad.com. This is an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com. I'm Lori Brooks. Hemp in pet products might soon be more difficult for you to find. Here's why. Utah's Department of Agriculture and Food has issued warnings to more than two dozen businesses asking them to stop manufacturing and selling what they call adulterated or misbranded commercial pet feed. Now, specifically, the letters ask them to refrain from future sales of hemp and hemp products in the state of Utah. But in addition to the 27 companies that Utah has put on notice, the department also sent warning letters to businesses in Canada, plus Texas, Colorado, and Washington have joined Utah in contacting manufacturers and retailers in their states that are known to distribute pet products that contain hemp. One pet food product store in Salt Lake City says hemp products are their number one bestseller that people come in every single day searching for it. But the Department of Agriculture says hemp is not an approved ingredient for animal feed. But uh, we're going to have to wait and see how this plays out. While the letter that was sent to the company's request voluntary compliance, it also, in the same letter, threatens regulatory action should they not provide a written plan of corrective action in two weeks. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com. Hi, this is Iron Chef Cat Cora on Animal Radio. Please adopt a pet. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. If you have questions, you want to talk to Dr. Debbie or Joey Willani, the dog father, they are here for you, and we'll go to the phones in just a couple of minutes. But first, we're visiting with our good old friend, and I guess really the father of Fear Free, the Fear Free movement, Dr. Marty Becker is joining us. Hi, Doc. How are you doing? You know what? I like I like that description. I've been called some things that you can't say on radio. Uh, my my mom used to when I was a little kid. They would call me Farty Pecker on the oh. playground. Ooh, that hurt. Uh, Doctor Oz always introduced me as America's veterinarian, but I think the founder of Fear Free is one that I would probably wear most proudly. Hal. And how is Fear Free going? And you know, we have a lot of new listeners since we last spoke in April. Tell listeners what Fear Free is all about. So fear-free is basically if your pet hates to go to the vet or hates to go to the groomer 
or has uh, thunderstorm phobias or, or fireworks phobias or anything where, or lease aggression or excessive barking. If you're always worried about the emotional well-being of your animals, that's what Fear Free addresses. And we're all worried about the emotional well-being of our animals. So it really addresses everybody and every, every animal. I think our slogan, taking the pet out of petrified, even, even the most well-adjusted Labrador retriever puppy, we start making mistakes from the time those of us that love pets We've talked about this before. We greet pets wrong. Everybody greets pets wrong. They reach down. They, you know, so they're intimidating. They're reaching down over the pet, coming from a blind spot with direct eye contact. I mean, who the heck thinks you are greeting a pet wrong or the fact that you're petting dogs wrong? Dogs don't like to be petted on top of the head or down the dorsal midline. So this Fear Free is 258 people on an advisory group, 60 wow. boarded veterinary behaviorists, animal handling experts, and we now have it to where when you go to a, a veterinary hospital that has embraced a fear-free philosophy, it's very likely that your dog will drag you into the practice and not want to leave. This is so true. Let me tell you about Ladybug, the studio stunt dog. And I mentioned this on air before. She used to hate going to the vet. When we get her into the car, she would immediately cower and start shaking. Now when we go to the vet, they've become a fear-free vet, by the way, in the last, I would say, year and a half. Now when we go there... The first thing they do is they meet her with a treat. The whole, it doesn't even look like a vet clinic anymore. It looks like a, a place to go play. And so she enjoys going to the vet now. And now we can get her in for, for the, her regular appointments, her wellness checks, without having to drag her into the car. And it's amazing. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Even a pet that's had some problems. And, you know, some pets we have to use, uh, you know, pharmaceuticals or nutraceuticals or mm-hmm. compression garments or different things. But a lot of them, it's just having them come in hungry and have incredible food rewards so that they don't mind. And I'll tell you something, Hal, you're not going to believe this. In three years and six months, we now have 75,000 individuals wow. that have gone through the program. And it's so that's growing. We also, since we spoke, we have fearfreeshelters.com. That's a free program to all shelters. Fear Free Happy Homes is free to all pet owners. Uh, and this is this is something else. And I, I could get so excited I could go on forever. <laughs> but of the 30 veterinary schools in the United States, 16 now require fear free certification of all students and it will be 18 by the end of the year. So oh, they're learning a whole different way of of interacting with their pets. Now, how do we find a fear free veterinarian? If we're just if is there like a database somewhere we can see all the fear free vets? Yeah, go to fearfreehappyhomes.com. That's the that's the one for pet owners. And there, there's a directory where you can find somebody in your area. And, you know, and if you're a veterinarian, if you really love your veterinarian and they're not yet doing it, you might encourage them to do it when, you know, a lot of people have a great relationship with a veterinarian based on science. They've, they've been there for you in times of need. It's no longer good enough just to look at your pet's physical well-being. When you have a pet that's going in for nail trim that thinks it's going to die, you have to kind of put that to like a, a human baby. If you wouldn't do that to a human baby, if you wouldn't have six people hold down a human baby to do a procedure, you probably shouldn't have six people holding them down to trim their nails. And yeah. if you're coming in and your pet is is biting, barking, shivering, shaking, jumping, Frozen, blinking, yawning, salivating, those are all signs of extreme fear. Yawning? Yawning, yeah. We used to think, I remember when I first got in veterinary medicine, I thought yawning like they were bored. Yawning, <laughs> probably the most overt signs you see are, are panting, shivering, shaking, yawning, uh, salivating. And here's the one that really got me. When Fear Free started in October of 2009, now that's 10 years ago, a little over 10 years ago, 
dogs that went in the exam room and laid down with their and they, they lay down like they're taking a nap with their head between their legs. I thought they were uh, napping, and I thought, why can't all dogs be like that? That's the worst sign of all. It's called collapsing immobility. So that dog is would be similar to somebody as a, you know that was facing a firing squad that doesn't run. They just freeze. So that dog closes its eyes and freezes, uh, preparing to, in its mind, to meet its death. <laughs> I want to know how we can get this for my regular doctor. Because I hate going to the doctors. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. Pediatricians, Hal, I, I'm 66. I don't know how old you were. But, boy, medicine was rough when we were kids. The dentist was rough. The, the Well, we didn't have a pediatrician. It was a family doctor. But they would manhandle, manipulate, threaten, and abuse us. And now uh, going to the pediatric dentistry is – it's like – matter of fact, where my granddaughter goes called the Granite Hills Dental Spa. And it's unlike anything that – you know, we've had it. You have to think of this. Any of your listeners out there that have uh, a child, a grandchild, a nephew, a niece, or an acquaintance that's about one year old, when they're one year old, you can't explain to them why a procedure benefits them, and they can't anticipate or expect the relief, even if it's moments away. And that's the same thing with, with all animals, not just dogs and cats, but reptiles, birds, horses. They don't know why a procedure benefits them. Why does a vaccine benefit me? Why does having this, this inflamed ear benefit me? And they can't anticipate or expect the relief of fear, anxiety, and stress or pain, even if it's moments away. So you have to have this system of protocols to remove or reduce the triggers for each pet to constantly be keeping them in a state of happy and calm. And if it does rise up, rather than just adding another person or two to hold them down, you retreat and come back a different way another way, which probably will include some uh, nutraceuticals or pharmaceuticals. You give them something orally and give it a chance to act uh, like a – like a, uh, Praslam, which is generic Xanax, or you uh, go straight to sedation. Mm. Uh, that amygdala is filled full of all these painful memories, and unfortunately, you can't scrub that out. Uh, are these ideas over at the website? Yeah, go to go to fearfreehappyhomes.com to find help for your information uh, for your for your home, and then you can do you can find a groomer, you can find a trainer, you can find a veterinarian, and and also I should mention uh, we've got a new magazine out called Happy Paws. And it's all about uh, the emotional well-being and enrichment of, of dogs and cats. Incredibly nice magazine. But Where can we just, get it? I just saw you know, it. was funny. I was just at Walmart, and I was also at CVS. I saw it at both of them. Oh. Anywhere, anywhere you're going to buy, get a magazine, grocery store, drugstore, Walmart, uh, you know, Barnes & Noble, or online. Happy Paws. Okay, we'll put all this information over at the website at animalradio.com. But visit fearfreehappyhomes.com. Doc, thank you so much for joining us. And by the way, I want to thank Fear Free. They make the Animal Radio app possible. If you haven't downloaded it yet, you should do that ASAP. Hal, thank you for all your support. I, I mean that from the heart. You're, you've been a warrior for many years looking at the physical and emotional well-being of shelter animals and, and animals in homes. And, and thank you for your contributions, my friend. Happy animals. That's what it's all about. Nature at its best is nature at its simplest. At Red Barn, we've kept it simple for 20 years by concentrating on single-ingredient natural dog treats. Because Mother Nature's actually pretty good at this. Bones are just tasty bones. Meat treats are just nourishing meat. It's nature at its simplest. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Natural Treats. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our slow-roasted natural meaty bones. 
You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. It gives me great honor to present to you the dog father, Joey Villani, on Animal Radio. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How about you guys? Splendid. You're, uh, you're Skyping with us from the island of Hawaii. Yes, I am. I got up a little early this morning to, to do this because last night we met people from New Jersey and stayed out a little later than I probably should have. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so are you there for a conference or uh, what's, are you just vacationing? Well, I, it started out as, as a conference and then it turned into vacation. And I'll be quite honest with you. I don't know why I, I don't live out here now. Um, you know, it just makes perfect sense. See, one good thing about the dog grooming industry is you can take it anywhere because there's, you know, be- dog beauty needs to be done everywhere. So I believe it or not, I've been looking around saying maybe this is where home should be. So, <laughs> Are there a lot of dogs there in Hawaii? You know what? There are, um, you know, just like everywhere else. Um, you know, you have your hunting dogs. You got your small um, lap dogs. So it's it's the same. It's the same variety you see everywhere. One thing though, I'm, I'm, that that I've noticed, there's a lot of cats all over. You know, feral cats, um, like that keeps the rat population down. And a little tidbit here: they brought mongoose on the island to keep the rats down, and then they found out that mongoose stay um, stay awake in the daytime and go to sleep at night. And the rats are nocturnal, so it was a it was a total failure. So they had to bring they had to bring the cats in. But that that being said, this is what brought my um, my tip on um, last night when we were you know um, walking about. We would, of course, like every we we always talk about our pets. Was talking about um, you know oral health, and um, this one woman asked me, you know, what's the best toothpaste? that I can use to brush my dog's teeth because my dog don't like the taste of Crest. And I started to laugh. And, and then, then I realized maybe a lot of people don't realize um, about the special toothpaste that we actually have to um, you know, use for our pets. Um, pet toothpaste is enzymatic, guys. And you know when, when you put it in there, that's why people say, oh, you know, a chicken flavor, because we're so conditioned that our, we have to have this minty, fresh breath toothpaste. The difference between ours and theirs is, 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 is actually twofold. Number one, we brush everything off of, our, off of the surface of our teeth and remove it, and that's how we keep our teeth healthy. Um, number two, pets don't do well with fluoride toothpaste, and it's also a little bit toxic because, you know, they're not rinsing, they're swallowing, and all that. So the enzymatic toothpaste for pets actually adheres to the teeth, and it actually destroys, it eats away the bacteria and the germs. But it's something that has to be on a regimen, just like us, if you brush your teeth, you know, sporadically. A lot of people think when they go to the pet groom and they, they say to us, um, which I don't do it, I don't brush dog's teeth anymore um, in, in the salon. Actually, I haven't for years because I kind of felt like I was robbing somebody because um, I would do it once Let's just say, in a good case, once every four weeks. So if you think about it, once a month, is it's all that's happening. This has to be done on a regular basis. You have to read the directions on the product you're using and how often you can use it. Because sometimes you, you can use it a little too often. And some, some say, you know, do it daily. 
And that's going to make a big a, a big difference at, at that point. But if you're going to your groomer, and groomers are going to hate me for saying this, but it's true, and it's once every eight weeks, six weeks, ten weeks, and they're charging you $20 to do it, um, you might as well just take that money and throw it in the garbage or just save it up and get a dentistry by a veterinarian. The other thing I want to talk about is is – Always have it done by a veterinarian, nobody else, because they have to polish that tooth out. And when you have, there's a lot of mobile clinics that come around, and they'll scale the teeth. The problem with that is it leaves the enamel wide open. It's like, I don't know if anyone understands when you paint a car, you sand the car down, wet sand it, and then they have to polish that out. So they have to almost seal it. Well, it's the same thing with the tooth. If you don't seal it, what ends up happening, you got these pearly white teeth now. But everything gets sucked right in like sponge. So it makes it worse. So go to your veterinarian, have it done, follow up with the toothbrushing, and you know what? That's going to make that great haircut that you have. You're going to have those nice pearly white teeth, and you know what? Your pet's going to look great. Good advice from the dog father, Joey Villani, calling us from uh, Hawaii as he sits back drinking a Mai Tai. <laughs> Not yet. It's How too early. me, Joey? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> This portion of Animal Radio, underwritten by Brilliant Pad, the world's first self-cleaning dog potty. It automatically replaces a soiled pad with a fresh, clean one so your home stays odor-free. And you never have to touch, see, or smell yucky pads again. Learn more over at BrilliantPad.com. And thank you, Brilliant Pad, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Dogs or cats... Horse or emu, animals are people too. An Indiana family credits the family cat in saving their lives from a deadly gas. Eric and Kathy Kiesling say their 14-year-old cat named Winnie played a crucial role in saving their lives after a gasoline-powered water pump in their basement caused deadly carbon monoxide fumes to build up. The family was sleeping soundly when Winnie began nudging Kathy's ear and meowing loudly. Kathy described Winnie's unusual meowing as crazy, almost like she was screaming. When she reluctantly got up, she realized she was nauseous and dizzy and couldn't wake her husband up. Eric had undergone minor neck surgery the day before, so she decided to call 911. And good thing she did, paramedics found their 14-year-old son, Michael, unconscious on the floor of his bedroom, and they treated the whole family for carbon monoxide poisoning. The Kieslings are lucky to be alive, but not surprised that Winnie came to their rescue. They say she also alerted them to a tornado last summer. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Are people to Animal Radio. At Red Barn, our pet food ingredients work overtime. They aren't just there for show. Dandelion greens work to maintain a healthy digestive system. Salmon oil works to enhance the immune system. Green-lipped mussels work to support joint health. These hard-working ingredients support your dog's active, healthy life. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our grain-free stews, the only pet food with Red Barn Bully Sticks. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. 
And this hour, the monks of New Skeet will be joining us, in particular, Brother Christopher, and they have a brand new book out. These guys can train your dog like nobody's business, and uh, they're just around the corner right here. Are you practicing? Are you practicing on your baby talk? I've practiced, and I failed miserably. I, I just it just doesn't come out of my mouth right. I can't do baby talk. I can't do a high voice. You I'm don't not, have to do I'm a high voice. I'm not doing it. Oh come on, guys! <laughs> not doing it. Participation oh, is everything. Come on, you can do it. You can do it. Who's a good boy? Who's my good boy? Who's my good boy? Yeah. You can do it. I uh, I saw That's a video good. that you posted from your clinic over at the uh, Facebook page. You're teaching your staff to talk baby talk to the animals. Why is that? Well, because it actually can help calm pets. Um, so in, used in the right way, it's a way to bond with the animals when they come in. A little bit of a distraction, and it gives them things that they're used to at home. Because over 90% of our pet owners actually do baby talk their pets, even if you don't admit it. So it's a way for them to feel at home when they're not at home. You say used in the right way. How could we really screw this up? <laughs> Well, certain, <laughs> there are certain situations where baby talk can actually um, make an anxious pet more anxious and less um, likely to either perform a task or to behave in a positive manner. So some dogs that say, you know, are really high strung, say just like think of like a Jack Russell Terrier. Um, when you actually amp things up and get them really excited, they actually have shown that they don't focus on performing tasks in the same way and they'll fail. So you actually can make them kind of choke. <laughs> So, yeah, so they actually can do better in a calm, you know, even kind of positive tone uh, without all the, uh, you know, the high-pitched squeakiness. Okay, so how do we talk, baby talk to our animals? What are, what are the, what are the uh, steps? Okay, so the first things that I always tell people are you're either going to make a question or a statement. So have that in your mind. You're going to ask, are you a good boy? Or that's mama's handsome boy. Do you like you know, it when I is- talk baby talk? Yeah, sure. That that works. Whatever. So there's a question or a statement. Doesn't matter. It's whatever feels right. Uh, Then I usually tell people, pick an attribute, something about the animal, something truthful that comes to mind. They've got nice looking eyes, beautiful hair coat. They're so smart. Um, You know, they're kind of a fun personality. And then you use it and go with it. You know, what pretty eyes you have. How's my fuzzy wuzzy little girl? How's my fuzzy wuzzy little girl? See, there you did it. How's my fuzzy wuzzy little girl? Lori, I got to hear you try it at least. Go ahead, Lori. Oh, I'm so bad at it. Um, uh, if I can do it, you can do uh, it. That was good, Roro. Roro is over there. Roro, are you my good boy? Are you my good boy, baby? You see, that's pretty good. Okay. That's good. That is pretty good. Okay, that jo- is good. Joey? Oh, what a good boy. Good boy. Come here, baby. Come here. you got to have a high-pitched voice, right, Dr. Yeah, you got to raise it. Well, you know, baby talk, there's three basic characteristics. We slow down our voice, we get high-pitched, and we repeat ourselves. And if you all think about what you just said, we kind of repeated what we said. You're a good boy. Aren't you a good boy? And that's actually because this is how babies learn. When they hear things over and over, and we're talking human babies, it helps to develop their language and cognitive development. And researchers think this is also helpful for dogs to learn the meaning of words and to bond with people. Does it matter what you say? Yes and no. So dogs really do understand the meaning of certain words. And, you know, if you look at, you know, brain studies where they do the MRIs of awake dogs, they actually do. The left side of their brain focuses on what the word means. And the right side is actually more processing the tone of the voice. So you get the best power for your uh, requests or commands when you add in that vocal tone along with the command. So you're saying, that's a good boy. Come here. 
Or so you can't just say, who's the big monster that's going to steal all your toys? Who's the big monster? Depends what your goal is. If you're trying to get them to just pay attention, wag their tail, and give you some affection, that's fine. But if you're actually trying to get them to do something like... Uh, a lot of times we'll use um, good boy, and we'll use that in training as a way to, as a positive reinforcement. So we're using that high-pitched tone. So it doesn't necessarily matter, like, what you're saying along with it. You're just given that those few words that they understand, and the, the way you deliver it really gives that mm. power of the punch. So you say the, the way we deliver it, does my body language matter if I'm standing there, you know, with my arms crossed? Yeah, so you do want to follow it up with action. So you want to do something else. So generally, if you think you're sitting in front of a baby, your eyes get really big and wide. Your arms may open up. You make encouraging body motions. So, so, and we smile. So those are things, too, that when you're doing baby talk, that it really helps to give that full message to the pet. Now, when you're doing training and you're, you're giving, uh, like, a reward or praise, rather, after they have completed some command successfully... I feel like Tater doesn't, um, like he's kind of bored with the good boy, good boy. In the yeah, hugs, well, you know, there's different motivators for different dogs, and this is actually something I'm struggling with with Nikki because I have a dog that plays with toys but isn't really motivated by toys. She likes food, but after a while, food kind of loses its punch. So for her, I have to really mix it up, and I'm almost like you know, almost like trying to please a cat, um, where I'm like giving her a treat, and then I'm giving her a toy, and then I'm giving her a chance to chase me. Um, so there's a lot of different things that I have to pull out for her. But yeah, you got to kind of know your pet, and not every pet. Um, this baby talk really kind of get them amped up and really seem like a positive thing for them. Yeah, what if your dog just stares at you? Just, uh, <laughs> like, why, why is she doing that to me? Well, I mean, it depends. Puppies, we know that puppies are definitely going to respond to baby talk. It's just the way that they're wired. It, it really kind of goes back to some of the breeds and their overall um, baseline arousal. So, you know, that Jack Russell Terrier that I mentioned is already kind of high strung. So, you know, talking them up really excited isn't going to really get them very excited. So you may have to find other things as rewards. So treats um, um, or other things. And, you know, that calm service dog type Labrador, you actually need um, some high-pitched squeaky to make them a little bit more excited and driven to do something successful. So, yeah, you just got to kind of know your pet, know what works. And then when I always tell people is sometimes it really doesn't matter the response of the audience. It's how you're feeling because you're generating that emotion to your pet. And, we'll, you know, we may be looking for a clap and applause from them. <laughs> but, you know, if they still put their head on your shoulder when you're sitting there baby talking them or they lick your hand, you know, you're still getting some good there. What about cats? Do cats like it? Well, <laughs> no, cats just do what the heck they want. But, you know, really, we're, we're measuring different things. We're looking for bodily responses of a dog um, to our emotions. And cats, we know, just they didn't really domesticate by having a benefit of showing out their emotions. They're very guarded in that way. So it may help, again, with that relationship with your cat. But it's I wouldn't expect that it's going to change their behavior and make them compelled to listen to you. <laughs> So is baby talk unique to humans or do other species speak in a high-pitched bark or growl or whatever to their own babies? Yeah, you know, people are not the only species that do baby talk. Really? Because, um, yeah, so it was really, when you talk about this tone, the high-pitched tone across different mammal species, um, it is associated with behavior that it promotes group integrity. So it promotes the species to cuddle together, to groom each other. And when you hear, when they hear low-pitched tones, it's more associated with behavior that is in a threatening nature. So there's actually research, you can look across the board, I, and, and I know of research in, 
zebra finches and in rhesus macaques, where they've actually found that the mothers slow down their voices and raise the pitch, raise the tone of their vocalizations while they're teaching their young, that they don't do this at other times. So they're doing baby talk. Okay. If you want to talk to Dr. Debbie right now, and you can talk in regular talk, but extra points if you talk in baby talk. (laughs) Toll free 1-866-405-8405. You're such a good listener. Uh, There you went back to Adam Sandler. (laughs) You're such a good listener. Are you a good listener? You're a good listener. Are you a good listener? You know, Hal, you could also drop the Adam Sandler, and you could try to go for Scooby-Doo. I don't remember Scooby. I remember Shaggy. Scooby-Doo. Oh, Scooby-Doo. No, that, I, How about Yogi Bear? There you yeah, go. See? So it's still a kind of a cool little voice. It doesn't have to be that high-pitched baby. Put your dog into your doggy. Oh, my. This portion of Animal Radio, underwritten by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals, canned food for dogs and cats, always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. You can learn more at redbarninc.com. And thank you so much, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. Check out Animal Radio highlights. All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Browse on over to animalradio.pet. Hey, it's Alan Cable with another dog tip. I go to the dog park a lot. Sometimes I even bring my dog. And I see people there communicating with their dogs like they would another person. Talking to them like they're human. There's nothing wrong with that. But just so you know, your dog has no idea what you're saying. Your dog will never learn how to speak or act like a human. But you can definitely learn to speak dog. Your dog watches you a lot. He's studying your body language. Do you carry yourself like a strong, confident, and compact leader? Or do you get frazzled easily? Your dog is very sensitive to your state of mind. Dogs are always trying to find their place to find themselves within a pack. If you're a strong, confident, secure pack leader, you make that job a lot easier for your dog. So your dog will be much calmer. We've all seen the dogs at the park that are barking constantly and acting like nervous wrecks. That's because they are. Most of the time, dogs like that have been forced into the position of being the pack leader. And that's just not comfortable for them. They need you to step up and be the pack leader. And how do you do that? Well, by learning to speak dog. Your dog watches what you do. He's not concerned with your words. So if he enters the house first, he's in charge. If he walks ahead of you on a leash, he's in charge. If he disrespects your space or other folks and jumps on you, he's in charge. If you let him bark like crazy and run amok, he's in charge. The question is, how do you become the pack leader? It all starts with leash training and knowing how to give your dog a correction and only praising for the desired behavior. When he doesn't, you ignore him or you correct him. What is a correction? Pretty much it's like a tap on the shoulder. You're redirecting the dog's attention, putting him in the frame of mind you want him to be in. It's really important that you walk your dog, get all that energy out. It'll make him calmer and easier for you to train. You want him to walk at your side or behind you, not in front. Let your arm be relaxed down at your side. No tension. With a little slack so that you can flick your wrist when you need to and cause a correction. Of course, you're going to need a choke chain or something similar. You might have to correct him many times before he gets the idea he needs to walk right by your leg and not pull. But he will get the idea. Use the heel command a lot. Just that one word. Just be consistent. Don't lose your patience. Be calm. Hi, I'm Dan Aykroyd. Have the happiest of holidays. This is Heather Locklear wishing you all the merriest Christmas. Hey, this is Sean Hayes on Animal Radio. Remember to spay and neuter your pets. 
happy holidays from your friends at Fido Friendly Magazine. The fall-winter issue is available now for your dog to sniff out all the great Fido Friendly hotels and great products to set all tails wagging. This is the must-have issue of the year, so subscribe today at FidoFriendly.com with code HONEY and get a 15% discount. Make this a gift for an additional $10 for your Fido-loving friends and have a Fido-fabulous holiday. Um, yeah, hold on one second. I'm just going to pull over so you don't hear the buzzing in the thing. Are, have sorry. you been driving? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're in Vermont. Now. I could lose you at any moment. But what is it you want me to say? Wendy Malik, Animal Radio, Spay and Neuter. So, uh, hi, this is Wendy Malik okay. listening to Animal okay, Radio. Okay, I got it. Okay. okay. Hi, this is Wendy Malik on the Animal Network. And don't forget to spay and neuter. Animal Radio. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Hi, this is Wendy Malik on Animal Radio. And do not forget, stay and neuter. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1 866 405 8405. What's your favorite animal show? Who's your favorite animal show? Is this your favorite animal show? I'm working on my baby talk. It's <laughs> I don't know if I'm getting any further. Uh, it just takes practice. It does know. take practice. If you want to call in, you don't have to talk baby talk, but you get extra points if you do. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405 to talk to Dr. Debbie or to Joey Villani. And uh, we're just moments away from the monks of New Skeet here on Animal Radio, or as uh, Judy is referring to them, the Skeets. The Skeets. That would be like their band if they had a band. We're the Skeets. <laughs> Lori, what are you working on over there? Uh, I was just uh, looking at this uh, a couple of weeks ago, this journal, Psychiatry Research. And there is this new study out on the differences between hoarders, you know, like the TV show people who collect things, objects, you know, just things, and, and people who collect animals you know when you get hear those horrible news stories about all these you know animal hoarders and they've got hundreds of animals in one location but it's not the same thing so they're actually studying this more we'll tell you what they found is the differences between thing object hoarders and animal hoarders and how they hope to help them now dr debbie i have a question for you i have a friend who uh uh huh. A friend. Yeah, I have a friend who has yeah. a, a, a lot of animals, and uh, but they're able to take care of all of the animals. They're able to provide veterinary care and uh, all the medical attention that they need. Are they hoarders just because they have fifteen cats? You know, the number of animals isn't the determining factor. You can be a hoarder and have you know sixteen cats or sixteen dogs, but you can also be a well-providing family. It just really depends on the level of ability. I hate to say financial, but because there are you know financial costs uh, with medical care but there's also the time do you have time uh, are you spending quality time with these animals or are they just running amok in your yard and in your house so all of those things kind of go together um, that you have the resources to care for them and the time and uh, that they're not being neglected what if i just had four cats and i didn't have the time or the resources uh, is that just too many cats my hoarder then? Well, I mean, it might be hard to label them as a hoarder, but yeah, it might be more than your resources can provide for. And in those situations, you know, there can actually be neglect situations that are just, people are just not informed as to the level of um, uh, care that's not being provided and how that can be such a detriment to their health and to the mental well-being. Hal, in this study, um, they found the average hoarder of the 33 hoarders they studied, the average hoarder had 41 animals. Holy moly. 
Okay, so if you're looking down at your radio and saying, and then you're looking up over at your 42 cats, <laughs> and then you're looking back down at the radio, we'll tell you if you're a hoarder coming up here on Animal Radio in just a couple of minutes. Yep. Uh, I suspect if you're listening to Animal Radio and you take care of your animals that you're not, but mm-hmm. we'll find out. Yeah, not a hoarder. Well, you know, I have... I was running my house one time in Utah after I left Utah, and I had somebody contact me, and they wanted to know if they could rent with their animals. And I thought, well, I'm pet friendly. Sure. But when they told me they had 25 cats, and I realized, because I know what I do, I tell my landlord half of what I have. I say I have two cats when I have four, so I only assumed that they probably had about 50 cats. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's probably a hoarding situation there. Yeah. Did you end up renting to them? No, I, I, I had to draw the line. That was just too many. Well, you'd have to have 25 or 50 litter boxes. You'd have to have time to clean each of those uh. every day. So the person would not be employed. So yeah, there's a lot of factors to consider. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So we're going to find out more about hoarding in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Toll free one 405 8405 to reach out to the Dream Team. Hey, Roy. Hi. How are you today? Very good. How are you? Good. You sound so cheery. Yeah. I have a little three-year-old chihuahua. His name is MacGyver. And <laughs> I, like I buy him. I try to try not to feed him uh, any food with uh, corn, uh, wheat, or soy. And so I got the, uh, the buffalo blue. He's been eating that for several years. But he, he doesn't really eat it. Like he'll, he'll go to the bowl. He'll eat it. He'll, have, he'll take one kibble, turn away, chew it, come back, chew another one. Go go back, and it'll do that maybe a couple times, and then they'll stop eating it. I'm wondering is like, is there anything I can mix in with it that he'll eat the kibbles and everything, or so, maybe I mean, I'll leave that up to you to decide. Yeah, and you know, I guess I I would make that decision based a little bit on what he's looking like, and if he's eating that food during the day. So if he's in good body condition and he's just a grazer and he likes to pick up that one kibble, walk away, and nibble. That's fine with me. Some some pets, that is just their pattern of eating. And so, especially if he's in good weight or if he's on the heavy side, I don't think we need to necessarily encourage appetite in those situations. And, and I would just let him have his normal eating style. But we would want to make sure that there isn't some undetected health problem that could be causing him to not eat so eagerly. So... If he were here in front of me, the first thing I would do is look in his mouth. Chihuahuas notoriously can have some problems with their teeth. If we've got any bum teeth in there, we need to address that and make sure that those are taken care of. Well, that is true because he did have uh, two extracted like about seven to eight months ago. Might be a reason just to take another peek in there. Um, But there are some other things that will cause a dog to not be a a hearty eater, and they're kind of more internal, inflammatory bowel disease, or even some liver problems. You know, those kind of things can also cause them to kind of be off on their food. So if he's losing weight or skinny and not eating well, then that would take us in a different direction where we talk about doing more like lab work to um, determine what might be going on there. Well, Well, thank you very, very much for answering my question. I really do appreciate that. My pleasure. This is Jerry Seinfeld saying happy holiday, happy new year, happy you, and see you next year. 
Here is today's top automotive news story. I'm Nick Miles. The Hyundai Sonata and Palisade have been named finalists for the 2020 North American Car and Utility of the Year, making the second consecutive year a Hyundai has been nominated to the finalist round. The winner will be selected in January. The 2020 Sonata is the first model to be based on Hyundai's new innovative platform, delivering improvements in overall driving performance. To find your new Hyundai, see our reviews at ourautoexpert.com. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car care needs. We're close, convenient, and known for our guaranteed everyday low prices and excellent customer service. For professional parts people you can trust, stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices, every day. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. This is an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com. I'm Lori Brooks. Hoarders, you've probably seen the TV show too, but hoarders are people with a disorder that causes them to collect objects things. But people who collect things and objects are not the same as people who collect animals. There is a new study out which was actually published in the journal Psychiatry Research and this study takes a look at the motivations of people who hoard animals. Why do they do it? This study suggests that animal hoarding should be classified as an independent disorder, not necessarily the same as somebody who hoards things. And they're hoping that that is true uh, so that they can develop specialized treatments to help these animal hoarders cope with their compulsion to collect animals. Animal hoarders, of course, acquire and live with dozens and sometimes even hundreds of creatures in their homes, and that causes a lot of suffering for both the hoarder and the animals, and it's unsanitary because uh, they're usually living in very poor conditions. The animals often lack adequate food and medical treatment, and though this may seem similar to object hoarding, this study says there really are several differences that may influence future treatments for animal hoarders. Object hoarders, for example, are pretty much evenly split between men and women, 50-50. But when it comes to animal hoarders, 73% of animal hoarders are women. Uh, Their motivations also differ. For example, when you talk with object hoarders, they talk about hoarding objects because, you know, I might need this one day. I could need this next week. I can still use this. But with animal hoarders, they found that the animal hoarders' thoughts are, these animals need me and I need them. It's also, by the way, more difficult to help animal hoarders. And, and that's because they are really very, very suspicious. And they believe that those who want to help them and help the animals are really there to steal the animals. So it just makes everything difficult. But the study showed the average hoarder had 41 animals. But for the study, they had 33 animal hoarders that they studied. When you put all of them together, Together, they had acquired a total of 915 dogs, 382 cats, and 50 ducks. And one of those hoarders alone had over 170 dogs. Wow. Did you say ducks? uh, 
Ducks, bad ducks too. Yeah, <laughs> some some okay. have rabbits and other critters. But in the United States, this is a big problem, and especially as the population ages, because it's more common among the elderly and people who are single. Perhaps a spouse has died, but authorities discover in the U.S. between nine hundred and two thousand cases of animal hoarding every year, and that's impacting about two hundred and fifty thousand dog, cats, and other creatures, and some pretty sad lives. Wow. I've had a client that was a, a hoarder, and um, and she was sweet as pie, wonderful. She tried what she could within her resources, but it was obviously well beyond what she could handle. And in the end, um, thankfully, uh, somehow she did get help. Um, I think authorities came in, and uh, we kind of helped her bail bail her out, get you know get the herd kind of thinned out. And there's so many different things that were going on. There was respiratory disease like crazy to the level I have never seen in cats. But the high density living that they, the cats were living was causing a lot of behavioral problems, the social stress and anxiety, and that weakened their immune system. So cats that normally get respiratory disease get congested. I saw cats that had plaques in their mouth. Um, their mm. eyes were just sealed shut. I mean, they were so sick to that level that once we got them separated, we were able to treat many of them, and they could recover. But you would have thought they were dying when we mm-hmm. saw them. Mm-hmm. It's really amazing. Wow. All right, lighter subject. Okay. I know all of you guys are very conscious about picking up after your pet when you're out on walks, especially you, Judy, being a dog walker. You know what? I, um, I have poop bags in every one of my pockets, on my pants, and my does. jacket. Every time I put on something, I put my hand in there, and there's poop bags all over the place. Well, I'm with of you. Of course, because you're good. <laughs> a lot of people are not so good at picking up their animals' poop. Everybody has, has strong thoughts on people who do not clean up after their pets. That is everyone except for the person who isn't cleaning it up. In Memphis, Tennessee, for example, there was this couple out walking their dog. I don't know if you guys saw this online, social media, but when they saw a sign in a yard, the woman took a picture, immediately posted it to social media, gained a lot of attention. But the sign said, please do not leave your huge piles of poop here anymore. And then there you were. She had plastic bags attached to the signpost. And it worked. It's been two weeks already and things are going great. So that might be something that you can try. But in Memphis, pet owners uh, really need to watch out because the city, like a whole lot of other cities around the country, has an ordinance which makes it illegal. You're you're an offender. (laughs) Illegal for pet owners to leave a pet's poop on public or private property. And, of course, in this day and age of technology, and it seems like everybody has a security camera, there are a lot of people who, you know, observe this being done. They will know exactly whose dog pooped in their yard, so just pick it up. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Yeah, when it comes to training your dogs, there's no higher authority than the monks of New Skeet. And uh, joining us right now, in fact, is Brother Christopher. Hi, Brother Christopher. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. How are you today? Splendid. You guys have a new book out, don't you? Yes, we do. It's called Let Dogs Be Dogs. Let Dogs Be Dogs, because maybe sometimes we make them kind of human-like, don't we? (laughs) I think that that's a a characteristic of a a lot of owners' experience in, uh, in today's world. Yeah. 
for instance, Judy, she dresses up her dog. Uh, only when it's, <laughs> wait a minute, when it's cold, I put clothing on her to keep her warm. Well, just this last weekend, you were looking at a leather dress. I, but did I buy it? No, you didn't buy it. <laughs> I wanted to. Well, with certain breeds, obviously, uh, in colder weather, uh, uh, uh Apparel to keep them warm is, is, is certainly in order, but Thank you. Uh, things do tend to get out of control uh, when uh, dogs are walked in baby carriages and birthday parties are given and, you know, any number of other uh, things that sort of take things over the top in terms of projecting human uh, uh, values and, and, and likes onto the dogs in ways that that basically take the dog away from uh, the dog's own nature. And I think one of the things that we really tried to emphasize in our new book uh, is a way to understand the true nature of a dog because once uh, owners, once readers, really get an insight into the real nature of the dog, then they can uh, sort of put into place an approach that really helps them realize the dream that they always uh, had in getting a dog in the first place. You uh, emphasize in the book that we need to become the pack leader. We need to be strong figures for our dogs. Yeah, I think that that's one of the things that often people misunderstand about the concept of leadership. And what we're talking about, let's emphasize, is benevolent leadership. But at the same time, dogs are pack animals, and given pack animals, they're very sensitive to social hierarchies, and uh, they're sensitive to the need for leadership in the relationship with their human owners. And uh, I think a lot of people somehow are afraid that if their leader, uh, if they're a leader to their dog, it's going to make the dog not like them, when in point of fact, uh, just the opposite is true. So long as uh, the leadership is exercised in an appropriate, benevolent, and enlightened way, uh, when dogs understand what the expectations are, when they're able to uh, to be placed in uh, a relationship that is structured and fair and also full of encouragement and praise, well, then uh, basically dogs calm down and uh, we see the relationship flourish. So it's it's not being domineering or tough or unfair. It's just showing authority. Is yeah, that... yeah. I think that you know an analogy would be uh, in a human relationship: a parent and the child. Okay, a parent needs to exercise appropriate leadership in the relationship with a child. Uh, they have to make sure that the child understands expectations and boundaries. Uh, and when that's in place, what we find happening is, you know, a well-behaved child, a child that is able to uh, uh, to grow up and uh, uh, and actually enjoy life. Children want that sort of guidance. And, you know, when we take a look into our own relationships with dogs, I think our experience suggests dogs really look for that from us as well we are with brother christopher of the monks of new skeet and we're going to take a quick break when we come back we're going to find out about the holidays with all the people coming yeah we're going to find out some solutions coming up next right here on animal radio stick around 
Are you tired of high cable TV rates? Sign up for Dish today and get a $500 bonus offer while supplies last. Plus, lock in your price for two years guaranteed. Call All-American Dish, your dish-authorized retailer now. 800-570-6630. 800-570-6630. That's 800-570-6630. Offers require credit qualification, 24-month commitment, early termination fee, and e-auto pay. Restrictions apply. Call for details. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car care needs. We're close, convenient, and known for our guaranteed everyday low prices and excellent customer service. For professional parts people you can trust, stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts. Better prices every day. Hey, this is Big Ant from Rescue Inc. Remember, spay and neuter your animal and abuses are losers. Now back to Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. We are with Brother Christopher of the Monks of Newskeet. Real briefly, what, uh, what is the Monks of Newskeet? What do you guys do? The monastery is an Eastern Orthodox monastery in Cambridge, New York. It was founded in 1966, and uh, we're a contemplative monastery. Uh, we're made up of nine monks uh, who live uh, uh, on the property where I am right now. And then we also have uh, our sister community, the nuns of Newskeet. They live three and a half miles from the monastery and they bake cheesecakes anyway <laughs> they don't they don't train cats i was thinking no they don't train cats so let's talk about the holidays christmas is just right around the corner and uncle louie and everybody comes over to the house but as soon as they ring the doorbell the dogs go crazy in fact the whole holiday thing is just not dog friendly what kind of tips can you give us for that well you know the first step is to ensure that a peaceful experience occurs. For that to happen, you have to practice ahead of time, well before the event. What you need to teach your dog is, first, how to go to the door, for example, on leash, and how to sit politely uh, when no one has rung the bell, for example, okay, so that uh, the dog has a sense of your own leadership. Now, next, what you can do is begin to expand this by teaching a command that we call place or go to bed. Either one is, is, is fine. But basically what you're trying to do is establish in the dog's mind uh, a place that they go to uh, when you give that command. Now, naturally, you, uh, you establish that in a non-distracted way uh, you know, initially, uh, but with practice, bringing the dog, taking the dog over to either the dog bed or a small little pallet. Uh, uh, when you give that command, following it with perhaps a high-value treat so that the dog associates going to that particular spot uh, as being something very preferable and, and enjoyable, can make a game out of it even. And all this, mind you, uh, ahead of time without distractions. Now, once the dog has that uh, general concept in its mind, now what you can do is start maybe having uh, one of your children, for example, uh, be the quote-unquote visitor who rings the doorbell 
and you establish practice sessions where the doorbell rings, the dog begins to, to go nuts, but now you have the foundation where you're able to get the dog under control by putting it, the dog into sit and then giving the dog the place command, uh, making sure the dog goes over to the place, uh, is rewarded for that. Uh, and part of teaching place is the fact that uh, they stay on place until you release uh, them. Now, eventually, once you've taught your dog to sit and wait, you can maintain that uh, and give him, for example, a, a treat so long as he holds the uh, the sit-stay on, on place. Uh, and, you know, if you prepare well in advance, the dog will be very uh, responsive in the face of the distractions that inevitably will come. So we need to start now on yeah, that. Yeah, I got it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Got- Don't wait. I mean, you know, it's really important for people to think of what the situation is going to be uh, and then deal with it proactively. That's, you know, what training is. That's only fair to the dog. If you train it uh, uh, so that the dog understands what the expectations are uh, in that particular circumstance when the doorbell rings, for example, uh, then the dog can be much more cooperative and much more peaceful with it because they've had plenty of practice uh, uh, to do what your expectation is. And they get rewarded for doing what sure. what you've trained them to do. Sure. I have so many questions, but we are so out of time here. I want to encourage listeners to pick up uh, the book, Let Dogs Be Dogs. Let Dogs Be Dogs, the latest from the Monks of New Skeet. And I'm sure a lot of these questions that I have still are answered then. Oh, yeah. Bo- yeah. It's, uh, you know, one of the things that I would say uh, with we did this, we wrote this book with our co-author, Mark Goldberg. He's a su- superb trainer and a very good friend. But in this book, there are an awful lot of stories, case histories, uh, plenty of uh, uh, wisdom. And uh, I would say it's very much in line with our other books, but it has a very unique perspective, and I know your readers will really benefit from uh, the mindset that the book communicates. Absolutely wonderful. Do we have giveaways? Yes, Judy? we do. We have ten giveaways. Not nine giveaways. Nine giveaways. <laughs> Great. <laughs> if you're a uh, caller one through nine right now, at uh, toll free at one 405 you'll pick up Let Dogs Be Dogs, Understanding Canine Nature and Mastering the Art of Living with Your Dog from the the, the Monks of New Skeet and Mark Goldberg, they've uh, collaborated on this. If you're not lucky enough to get on through, head on over to your favorite bookstore or Amazon and pick up the latest book from the Monks of New Skeet. Brother Christopher, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you very much, Hal. It's been a pleasure being with you. Thank you. Well, it has just flown by once again. Remember, if you need your fix during the week, it's so easy. Head on over to animalradio.pet. Or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. A great app you should have anyway, just in case there's any kind of recalls or news that affects you and your pets. You'll find out immediately on your smartphone. Have yourself a great week. Bye-bye. Who's a good listener? Who's a good listener? We love our good listener. Bye-bye. This is Animal Radio Network.